everybody, welcome to a fairly queer podcast. Hello again, and thank you for all your patience. Me and Sam have been like ships in the night a bit, so we appreciate your patience and we appreciate your comments and feedback. It's been very nice to um, get responses from folks on the social media sphere. So thank you for that. Yes, I actually saw that thread that you posted with people commenting about topics they'd like to see in the future. So very cool. Yeah. It's always nice to get feedback. And we appreciate your listenership. Yes. And it just um, a helpful hint is that if you haven't listened to all of them, there might be some things that we're kind of covering. But the more specific you can be about like, oh, yeah, more things on on uh, the queer community and relationships or more things on queer history or more things on uh, the special, this, you know, this, the unique spectrum of mental health challenges and therapies and um, self-development for the queer community. Just let us know on our social media, wherever you uh, prefer to do that. So I just wanted to get that out of the way, Sam, because again, it's been a little while and I want people to know that we are listening and paying attention to their feedback. Yes. Also, what do you guys think of our new theme music brought to you by Handsome Jeremy? Pew, pew, pew. Did you listen to it in our most recent podcast, Jeremy? Well, sometimes I wait a little bit to listen to the podcast so I can kind of forget about what Jeremy we talked about. Jeremy doesn't listen to the podcast unless no, I, I tell do. him. No, I just to. do it. I have to do it at a distance. That's my thing. Listening to it right afterwards when I've just talked about it and got my head into a rigmarole about it is not my most favorite thing to do. But in other favorite things to do, I am now um, a a slight cat mom. I am a more of a cat auntie. There are two cats in my a cat room. a cat auntie, not a cat auntie. Very important where the punctuation is. Thank you, Sam. Especially in verbal punctuation, where we can see exactly what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam. So why don't you um, introduce? the first uh, topic section. Well, before I do that, I would like to start a little segment in the beginning of our podcast, which I like to call, Where in the World is Jeremy? Where in the world is a handsome Jeremy? As you travel the world and continue your nomadic journey. Yes. Well, in exciting news, I am basically at the place I'm going to be through at least midwinter. So I am I am uh, in Los Angeles. I think that's a fair a fairly uh, polite way of not give, giving anyone, with all due respect, too detailed information of where I'm at. But yes, I will be basically hanging out in Southern California through February. Um, but I still have a bit of travel, so I was. Uh, off the tour we did a really great job of getting um episodes while on tour mm-hmm. um bravo and, yeah bravo to us um and then i came back from dublin and uh 
where did I go? No, I've been here in Southern California. I will be in New York for Justice for Art Pop again. So I'm leaving on Thursday, and then I may go to Pittsburgh um, to see my mom and my grandmother, uh, working that out in the next 24 hours. So I will be on the East Coast maybe a week and a week and a half, but then I'll be back in California. So that's where I have been and will be for the next couple of weeks. So maybe, you know, me and Sam can have our section. And if you are interested in meeting me in New York City in the metro area or in Pittsburgh and you want to interview for a section, I would love to do that. So please just um, uh, slide me a DM, a message, however you choose to do that. And maybe we can have a impersonal conversation. So, Sam, you yes. you felt um, strongly about um, our topic tonight. I was feeling some kind of way. As you guys may know, I have a budding fetish company called Ramshine. Custom oh, yes. gear, Ramshine leather, or just Ramshine if you're nasty. And I was working on just some stuff you know, back-end stuff like setting up the LLC and getting an IEN number, which is essentially like a social security number for your business, and just like all of the kind of nonsense that has to do with government and the IRS and stuff. And it's sort of just like this huge weight felt like it was falling on my shoulders of like, oh my God, this is like real. And I'm setting up a business and it has all of these sort of tentacles that are going out in all different directions and all different things that I need to concentrate on. And it felt very overwhelming. So I thought it would be interesting to talk about projects and business and just things that we all do for work. It do take nerve to start a it business. It does. It does. <laughs> and um, I'd like to thank Sam for coming up with this topic too, because I think um, the the economics can feel overwhelming and also the personal path of um, we are in a uh, point in the modern westernized slices of earth that we all can see how great many uh, online businesses are doing so that we don't need all the the rent and the buildings and the offices and not all of that stuff is necessary, but negotiating and um, finding our way through these things. It's been, it's often very overwhelming for me too. And I think this is a really great opportunity to get some really pointed feedback. And I want to say right off the bat, I really welcome any advice too, because Sam, you have your business you're trying to set up. I want to um, set up business as a sound healer and get the certification and then also perhaps do coaching and other things. So I welcome anyone who has uh, advice and or success in building these things up. I will tell one story and then we can get into the dialogue. I paid about seven months for some helpful things from business coaches. They're life and business coaches. They were in San Francisco. So I thought, oh man, if I'm going to be living in San Francisco, I better get my shit together and get a move on about these, about making money that to really support myself because the city's not cheap. And so I did it and I found a lot of these things very helpful. And I think they modeled a lot of their things. And I think it's, 
Um, is it, it's Tony Robbins, I think, who they've been kind of studying with and going to the weekend events. And I know it's a really exciting movement, and I'm happy to um, dialogue and hear your comments. If anyone's been to Tony Robbins, if it's changed, if the events have changed your life, please let me know. Or if you have concerns that it's maybe cult-like and just another pyramid scheme, these are the things... And these are the topics that I want to continue to talk about because I do believe that queers um, and all of us who are part of a progressive, open-hearted, open-minded community, we have the opportunity to change the world through changing economic forms and economic flow. And I think we do need to have a healthy relationship with wealth and abundance, and I'm working on that. And then... um, we can let's move into a couple of different branches because I know biographically my story is interesting. I came from a working class family, so like feeling like I deserve things or whether the hard work is worth it, these things really can mess me up in mm-hmm. my mental health department. So I think we've got plenty to talk about, Sam. And also, I'm going to cough. Do it. <coughs> cough a couple more times for good measure. <clears throat> So I think the easiest way of introducing this topic is sort of talking about my journey in terms of my business and why I wanted to start it and the trials and tribulations that followed after. Does that sound good? That sounds great, Sam. Go on and tell us the story. (laughs) So about four or five years ago, I decided that I was interested in starting a fetish line. And I had absolutely no inclination of what that would entail. And actually, I didn't really have any of the skills necessary to do it. I fell into working with bridal gear for horses. So making harnesses and halters and all that kind of stuff. And at that point, I said to myself, okay, now I am developing a skill set that can work with fetish gear. Yeah. Not really, but like you get the it's point. It's functional and it's functional and it's also, it can be very beautiful to look at and it takes a, a, a smart person to find the right kind of materials where you, you know, where if the horse is going to feel comfortable comfortable enough but the bridle and the gear on a horse serves its purpose when you're with horsemanship form and function that balance is very important so anyway learning those skills and i think with any business that's a really important thing to start with okay what specific skills do you have that can be incorporated into what you want to do so for me i had a background not in garment making but in horse stuff, so bridles and stuff, like I mentioned. So that's the direction that I took it, as opposed to doing a more um, garment, textile kind of um, aesthetic. Um, My first product took two years of prototyping and figuring out how I could manufacture it so it was the same over and over and over again. So point is whether or not you're going to do mass manufacturing if you're going to be offering a service or whatever you're going to be doing in business it's important to figure out what your unique skill set is and how that unique skill set can set you apart apart from other people in your industry 
saying, oh, well, I'm the best at whatever you're doing. Well, you can be the best in a lot of different ways. So how is your best different from other people's best? You know what I mean? Yes, and not in a hierarchical way, but in the uniqueness factor. And I think that's an important, a really important factor. Like, uh, maybe I can uh, reply by saying that, like, for starters, because I grew up in a working class environment there i we were kind of we kind of just stuck with the franchise corporate stuff and and that's kind of an unfortunate thing because you know it was just that grocery store and then the cheap clothes growing up so there was kmart so i didn't know much about small businesses at all and when i met my first boyfriend, his mom owned a uh, clothing, a couple of clothing stores in Central Florida. And like my eyes were open to like the challenges, but the wonderful thing about like having your own shop and uh, my first boyfriend's mom was French. And of course, like so much of Europe is, is strengthened and the foundation is all those villages and towns and cities with unique clothing shops and unique bakeries and that uniqueness factor I think is what really takes it out of a hierarchical comparison conflama right stop comparing your stuff to other people's stuff it's good mental health advice and it's good business advice we concentrate on what our passions are like for me like I have had really wonderful feedback about um, the new quartz crystal bowl that I got I used it on Alaska um, I played it the other night, and some of the feedback was, wow. What's like, a quartz crystal ball? Okay, quartz crystal ball is used in sound healing and sound therapy, and it is a bowl which, like the Buddhist or the Tibetan or the Nepalese, like, you strike it, and then you can also use, uh, I think it, mine is a, a skin wand, some kind of animal skin, and then when you when you make the circular motion at the top, of the bowl, it resonates really, um, really richly and really powerfully. And it has a very therapeutic effect. And there are lots of, um, there's lots of holistic health research that says it's just, um, it could be the future of uh, non-pharmaceutical healing and therapies because it affects bodies on such a fundamental atomic level with a consonant harmonic sound. And it's really, it. I mean, it's wonderful for everything, from mindfulness meditation to actually oncologists. I read a book, I just finished reading a book that a oncologist was finding that um, the sound healing and mantras were very helpful at helping um, have increased um, remissions and recoveries from various kinds of cancer. So there's real research out there that sound therapy is... Um, a non-physically invasive way of healing your mind, body, and spirit. But I love things that are physically invasive. I know, Sam. And that gets back to fetish gear. So you found that your passion was in in, in crafting material things. Leather is not hard. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> I was no, like, uh, excuse me? Right. Well, <laughs> that, that, what I meant, leather is hard to work with. 
and it takes a, a long, for some people, a long learning curve, and you have to be pretty physically strong to do a lot of to do a lot of leather work. It's true. So it, it I don't want to be... get into the logistics of like what it means to be a leather smith because I'm sure it'd be extremely boring for all of our listeners. But the key factor that I want to get across is sometimes doing I love doing what I do don't get me wrong like I enjoy making leather gear I'm a budding business so it's not like I'm the poster child for like I'm not a success story at least not yet but well, you're at the beginning so you know the you key give yourself is to, the to hone in to hone in on something that you have natural aptitude to do which isn't always necessarily the thing that you enjoy doing most. I'm lucky. I enjoy doing what I do and I'm good at it. But, you know, sometimes just like, oh, I'm really good at doing this specific thing. Let's see how I can uh, utilize that skill to make me very successful in whatever field I want to go into. But getting back to like the business side of this, you can be really good at something and work for someone else and be very comfortable being yeah. like creating a business or creating like a service where you're a sole proprietor is like a whole nother bag of worms. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've gone farther down it than I have. I'm, t- I tend to be very careful about strap in, <laughs> but really, you know, and I think what's important on a more uh, political and activist level is that the, the commercial and economic world is kind of, meant to be a bit of a casino and for some people who aren't in the know and don't have good advice it's a landmine it can be a legal landmine if you don't have the right um, paperwork and if you don't have certain certifications those certifications cost money so if you don't have backers if you don't have uh, financial support things that take a really long time or not even manifested the system- if you don't have the courage and perseverance right the system is not set up, unfortunately, to accommodate people becoming entrepreneurs e- easily. I was yeah. joking to my friend earlier today. I was like, this is why people become Republicans, because there are so many hoops you have to jump through and so much red tape in terms of how to become a successful business owner or successful sole proprietor of whatever um, service or industry you are pursuing. So, yeah. So, but that I, doesn't mean that you just like drop it because it's hard. Because no, I do, I do feel like it can up. be very gratifying. Yeah, not giving up is really important. So, in your case, you you learned over years while you were doing other jobs that you took the side project on, and yeah. now you felt ready to take the practical and logistical steps. Now, me. Well, I hate working for other people. So, oh, well, me really, too. That's what we both really found out. Really. <laughs> I was like, I was got so sick of making other people rich. And I was like, you know what? I mean, not that I'm going to make myself rich. That's a pipe dream right there. Well, but no, I was Sam. Like, I, was I think you're being a little, other, yeah, I, I think you're being of, a little negative. I was sick of making other people money on, quite frankly, uh, on my back. And I wanted to take the skills that I learned and all of the the things that I had learned about how to be in business and utilize it for my own gains and also the future employees that I might have that I might be able to launch their careers or help them grow. Uh, And I think that all gets back to what we've talked about in other episodes, which is about queer owned businesses. 
Yeah. Isn't it lovely to have more queer owned businesses that share our kind of principles and our ethics rather yes. than having to work for, you know, some gigantic corporation that doesn't really give two shits about you, whether you live or die. And that's, oh, that's a strong, that's a strong, to it, but of course, yeah, I was thinking that too, that corporate structures, highly hierarchical, and they can be very, um, uh, obscure and, and very, uh, opaque about their practices. And we know there's so much corruption in the corporate world. So I, agree with your point and i want to spin it to be like we need queer businesses we need queer small businesses we need queer business alliances we need to keep enough uh resources within our own communities and raise the bar for our own um ethical standards we have we can make leaps and bounds by really holding fast to something that at least the corporate world generally takes for a joke, which is the ethics of like transparency and of consent and of doing business where the individual and the collective can can possibly have win-win situations. And of paying people a fair wage. My exactly. friend told me the other day, she works at the outlet mall, um, and I won't say where because I don't want to like expose her but she makes nine dollars an hour i can't believe that anyone can survive on nine dollars an hour in today's world it was shocking yeah. to me well apparently that the, you know these certain kinds of businesses do make money off of not paying people enough and the movement and the flow of resources money whatever other assets are not distributed in a way, because um, people don't. Well, the one of the one of the answers is that we don't fight hard enough for it, because it's a long. It can feel like a long, persistent, exhausting struggle. But the other parts of it is that, like, I don't know. I think about this, and this is the economic activism of like, the less people who put up with it means that they have to find others. And, unfor and unfortunately, those others exist and they are in China yeah. or India. Well, so that is a difficulty yeah. with this, because That's when you do put your foot down, when you do put your foot down and say, no, I'm not going to work for these crappy wages and I want benefits and I want this and I want that. All of those things that you should be entitled to, you know, you should be entitled to a fair wage that is going to pay your rent without you having to work three jobs and, you know, put uh, I was going to say put food on your back, put clothes on your back and food on your table. Um, but unfortunately, the reality is that a lot of those jobs are being shipped overseas. Uh, and and they have been for a while. So, you sure. know, it's being educated about. Those but things. that being said, that's where you're being a conscious consumer can also tie in where, OK, make sure that you are buying things from ethical companies and that are paying their um their employees a fair wage and they are creating things sustainably because then hopefully that will have an effect where businesses start to adopt those ethical standards or else no one's going to buy from them anymore. Right. And we, and that is also a daily practice. So we've said, we've talked about that in previous, um, podcasts. So if you haven't heard our conversation, please do. 
listen and inform yourself. But I think like what we're trying to do here is engage in the often too um, frustrating uh, logistical and personal path of starting one's own business because there's, there's no guarantees and it does take a community that wants what we offer. And so yes. for me, because I'm offering, I want to offer the service of sound healing as someone who is, you know, as much as I've uh, swung from uh, my conservative Christian upbringing to like out now queer paganism, I've swung from like being overly experienced in corporate world, whether it's retail or whether it's like semi-public um, academic institutions and even public academic institutions to like wanting to offer a service that I think is very important to people's health and well-being. And, you know, I in my business coaching sessions, there's like, yeah, there's health, there's wellness, there's relationships, there's things that people do want um, the services of others at a collaborative or consultational level. So I think just, you know, not having that um, anxious desperation about it, but going about it in a balanced way is how we get through these bumps in the road, whether mm -hmm. it's shelling out money for licensing and to have permission within your county and your state and and your country for doing business. And also knowing that, of course, like there's shitty, there's, there's shitty uh, red tape and there's bureaucracy involved. But until we hold the political sway enough to make things um, both more ethical and easier for people, this is how it is. So let's pack our activistic bags and have more queer businesses and support each other and offer each other beautiful crafts and work and services and products. So, yes. so what, where, where is your, where are your thoughts going for that, Sam? Yes, I actually, before we do take our break, I want to add one more thing to your statement and say that I'm not particularly sure what the age demographic of our listenership is, but for those out there that are young, that are thinking of starting an entrepreneurial venture or pursuing something that's out of the norm or pursuing, you know, a craft or a trade skill that you might not find is marketable necessarily yeah. or isn't something that's going to have a guaranteed payback. Yeah. Please, please, please do it anyway. Yeah. Don't when you are young, give yourself, I always say this, give yourself the opportunity to fail or succeed in whatever venture you decide to pursue. Because yeah. if you do not give your opportunity yourself the opportunity to fail or succeed, depending on whichever one happens, you will regret it for the rest of your life because you will never know how those that coin, you know, that coin flip will go. Yeah. So yeah. You know, You're a lot of talking about my life uh, <laughs> going from academia to working with Alaska. I made yeah. a choice that was riskier and some, somehow it's got my personal and spiritual and otherwise growth 
to this level. So Sam's point, even though I've been talking over him, is extremely valid, and I just want to really How dare you that. talk over me, Jeremy? I know, Sam. No, but really, all I'm saying is that the truth is, you might fail. You might fail at whatever you are pursuing. But even if you fail, you will learn something and you will grow. And whatever thing that you decide to pursue next, you will have more information than you did before. Certainly, I hope that you succeed at whatever you want to do. But even if you fail, the outcome will be better than if you did not try at all. And that is what yes, I hope indeed. for our listeners. Yes. Yes. And that is the T. The tea, darling. T T T T So Sam, why don't we take our break and we'll be at, we'll be back in just a few moments while we get some water, refresh ourselves, and I you can do something socket. refreshing too. Bye. All right, see you in a moment, everyone. decided to look at some of the comments on my uh, query on future topics and answering uh, and talking about some of your responses for future topics for the podcast. Yeah, we decided to explore one of the topics that Dobe Globe posted Doby Globe and Shout I've out had to some Doby Globe. Yes, and I've had some personal messages with them and they're lovely. They're they are a traveling photographer um, who currently lives in Europe. So this is an international query. Thank you. Yes. So the conversation between a millennial and Gen Z person would be very interesting, which is kind of what's happening sam and then we can maybe touch on sexuality interaction and then with our topic of like economic outlook and how how what we consider success or what we consider or what we consider um viable adulting choices for making money it's funny because i was just what i i love the view I'm sure that uh-huh. you watch The View, too, because Justin likes The View, too, right? Well, let's, let's, let's be honest. Uh, Justin likes The View. It's one of his ways of getting information so he can be active. I tend to to be a reader of information. I do, I do not like infotainment. I don't mm. watch CNN. I don't watch MSNBC. I don't watch Fox. I tend to like to get... Some of my information on Twitter from like Mother Jones and The Nation mm-hmm. and Democracy Now. You could probably tell by my tone a bit of what it is, but I don't drop in too often. I will um, controversially admit that I am on a certain need to know basis as to what um, what I'm not overwhelmed by, but also what's important for me to be informed of. So that's basically is I have to be careful about journalism. That's fair. That's fair. But well, I, but they were talking about yes. They were talking about OK Boomer, 
on the view. I just watched it yes, this morning. Yes, I don't know what this is. And so this is your it, perfect opportunity to tell me. So, OK Boomer, I, this is actually, I had heard it sort of through the grapevine, but this was the first time that it was like, OK, this is what it means. OK Boomer is essentially a uh, mimetic term that is being used by millennials to describe out-of-touch boomers of, like, advice that they would give them. Um, that doesn't really oh, apply. And wow. they were talking about it on the Deep view. younger generational shade against and their elders. And it really surprised me how seemingly out of touch they were. Because they went on and on on this tirade about, like, this thing about, like, uh, they gave a specific example of Boomer saying, oh, you got to go to the place that you're applying and apply in person and stuff. And, like phrasing it as if millennials thought that was ridiculous. I don't think that any millennials think it's ridiculous to apply online and in person, but it was just strange and sort of, I felt like they were sort of reaching in order to find ways to be critical of millennials being critical of baby boomers. Because yeah, which frankly, everyone on the, there's a lot which, to be critical yeah. about, you know? Right, right. So my perspective is that I've actually had, because maybe this, the, whatever this fucking Generation Z label is. Um, my parents, personally, were on the very end of baby booming. My dad was born in 55, and my mom was born in 59. Mm -hmm. So, like, I didn't have parents from the 1940s going up to, not directly after World War II parents. Some people do. Wait, your parents were baby boomers. So they are, but... That's like, surprising for my, a generation. My parents are also really unique, kind of strange unicorns. And um, only my mother is is um, alive of the two. And she is also a unique person in that she's a hermit. And she's um, very specific and very limited in her desire to interact with much of our computer age technology. So mm -hmm. that's just my tea. And because, again, um, I was always a couple generations behind of other people who had money when it just came to technology, when computers came out, what kind of computer I had. I didn't really catch up until the middle of the 2000s. You were not one of those kids that had a razor in high school? No. I didn't have anything in high school. So if that makes me Generation Z, then whatever. You know, but because my parents were baby boomers, um, there were certain things that, that I guess they did. And then, again, like, I'm interested, while I don't want to beat class and classism, you know, beat a dead horse about it, that, like, there are plenty of things I didn't really get or I had to, like, find out on my own whether it was about technology or the topic from our last section about like the joys and the struggles of being a small, being a small business, even when it's something as uh, prevalent as selling beautiful clothing items. So, but also the, the comment includes like coming out. Like I didn't, I, I was barely out by the time the millennia, the millennium changed over. So mm -hmm. I was not out in the 90s. And, um, you know, someone else who's close to my age, who is Davina from Drag Race UK, um, 
was telling the story about these weird laws and weird thing that maybe it was kind of liberal back in the nineties. Was this on I, the show? I'm not yeah, familiar yeah, with this. Yeah, there was com- there was a confessional by uh, contestant Davina DeCampo, um, who I'm a big fan of, and uh, she was talking about how there were weird laws where the teachers couldn't kind of advocate against bullying in um, British schools. And and then she broke down, and it was like this really, this cathartic but also painful moment that like I felt that way. I didn't think my teachers were gonna, gonna have, have my back if there was bullying, because the the problem with teachers is that um favoritism can then, either it looking like favoritism, or something like like, so much queerness where people take a moral stance on it. Um, is dangerous for teachers unless they have the support um, of uh, the school district and the administration and the legal system around them. So it doesn't mean mm. they're not bullying in, in Bay Area schools, but it also means that because there's been such an out and proud queer um, and queer activistic tradition in the Bay Area, that it's more visible, you know, and in, in, in Washington County, Pennsylvania, in the 90s, not so visible. So getting back to the generational divide. Yeah. You are in an interesting generation because it's sort of smack dab in the middle of the boomers and the millennials, right? Yeah, I think that really, really is kind of the thing. And because you, I'd born imagine, in, have a lot of interaction with both generations. Yeah, someone born in 1950 was was having kids in the 80s. Yes. Yeah. So as you've, you know, grown more mature. Yes, as in I've your life, through the life cycle. Yeah. How have you uh, experienced these generational changes? At, for me. Okay, I should mention for me, I'm the youngest of five, and I've so always so you have you have siblings my age. I have siblings your age, so and being the youngest of five, I sort of always viewed my family from the outside, uh, from an outlook looker's perspective, looking in, and it gave me a lot of perspective of like why people do what they do and why people act the way they act, and I feel like. Being in sort of an outsider, not an outsider generation, but um, a less populous generation, you might have had a similar experience in your the life cycle that you've had so far. Yeah, because I'm the oldest of four, so as a result, I do feel comfortable. Like all of all of my siblings were born in the '80s, um, but I do have friends, and I've had lovers who were born in the '90s. Like, it's 94, which would make them, what, 25 now? So, like, I don't like thinking about people that are possibly younger than me. It makes me really depressed. Oh, come now, Sam. You're such a charming, lovely creature. I know, but I have these wrinkles under my eyes now, and they just won't go away. Well, some of, the, some of us think they're sexy in a body-positive way that uh, the signs of growing into an adult can be wonderful and appealing to people. You need to give me Willem's Botox specialist next oh. time you see me. Girl, girl, please. But maybe in some sort of whacked-out adventure, maybe... <laughs> 
if we get a lot more listenership, maybe I'll go on a Botox adventure. Um, yes. Okay. But so we're getting off topic. If we get subscribers, off topic. Your Botox live. <laughs> on a total, on a total t- um, uh, confessional side note, I think it's very, it's very interesting to note like who's, who's, uh, who's, who's feeling a, a certain way by like, who. Who might go off topic more? <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I think we take turns, Sam, which is why it's such a beautiful thing. I love a flip. Um, I was just talking to someone the other way, talking about going off topic. I'm not sure if this is going to make the podcast, but they posted okay. on Facebook about like yeah. some like meme about like bottoming versus topping, or like putting a picture, oh, putting a picture fires. up on your grinder that like makes you look like a top, but you're really a bottom. And I'm like. How about you just like do both because yeah. like share the love. Yeah. There are way too many bottoms, you know? And not enough tops. I'm not I'm not taking account of the various research institutions. Well, I am. Okay. And let me tell you, I am a proudly both jobs kind of guy because yeah. someone's gotta do it. Yeah, me too. Me Someone's too. Someone's got to put out, the penis I'm in the out proud, out proud 50-50. I don't know that I have... You no, know, I think it just depends on the person. But I also think that's a wonderful sub- subject to bring up perennially is like connecting with yourself so that you connect with people uh, in the sensual and erotic realm in um, a way where everyone can make the most of it. And, and it's not agenda-laden, but it's experience-focused. So, yes, I like that sidebar. Maybe we can do more with that. But let's wrap up this this intergenerational thing. That, like, I know younger people, and I, what I love about my younger friends is that they have a can-do attitude, and they and there's certain, maybe, certain bumps and bruises and... and uh, 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 things that they didn't that they didn't need to experience that older generation still had to do because of a different culture however i also think that there's a there's a weird obliviousness and a and a and a kind of uh living in a living in a bubble world that combined with technology and youth can make some young people look really um unintelligent so that's i i not i'm we don't need to pick that apart here at this point but if you're interested in intergenerational um community we can make that a topic of a future yeah we can do a full episode on that if it's something that people are really interested in it is kind of a bummer though like to think about because i never like to be the proponent of them versus us in any no, scenario best, yeah regardless no, but it's another binary that needs to be i do burnt feel, and sent back to the center of the earth i do feel like it's there's this narrative that's being perpetuated of millennials being lazy or stupid or not having a work ethic and i i don't think that's true i think no. that some people have those qualities and anyone can have an, an addiction to technology or, and... but the direction exactly the direction that our society is going 
this we have there's a lot to contend it uh, contend yeah. against there are institutions like facebook and instagram and you know cell phone manufacturers that are designing their products with the sole intent to get you addicted to it so that they can make the most money yeah so we're having to deal with all of these outside entities manipulating our actions whilst we're trying to be productive members of society and i know that sounds yeah. like an like well, I'm, 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 I'm a millennial a millennial right. apologist but that's what i was talking about in the last section well maybe like, I if you have say... a passion fucking go for it yeah and don't get swallowed up by all of these products that other people that are other people are making to manipulate you make your own fucking product yeah you know and, and, and make also, it ethically like, and make it for everyone yeah and i say i i i have this hope about this millennial group that when they realize how many generations worth of bullshit their ancestors have gone through on a legal and economic thing that's one thing they do is they don't they seem to get kind of righteous really quickly and if you get righteous really quickly about the about things that are truly humanitarian, I think the world can radically change very much with the younger generation. But what technology and certain lifestyles have done is made made us um, made it difficult to focus and persevere through weeks and months and possibly years of sustained struggle. So maybe that's my my call to intergenerational action. If y'all got if you all got the idealism and y'all got the nerve, then let people with more experience join join with you and and let's all turn this ecological economic morass into into a new world. Ah, oh, Sam. It's been oh. such a pleasure getting back to the podcast with you. And that was a really great question. I don't think we have time for any more, though, do we? No, we don't. But we are going to be exploring more questions in the future. And also, Jeremy and I have been discussing how to make our podcast a little bit more, um, I don't want to use the word formulaic, a no, little bit, but that 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 is more focused. A little, yes. Jeremy and I have been looking at ways to make our podcast a little bit more focused as we enter into season two and do a little bit of revamping. And yeah. part of that is taking questions from you guys. Mm -hmm. So please, 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 please send your questions to a fairly queer podcast at gmail.com. Yes, and, and remember, that's A-F-A-E-R-I-L-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Yes, and if you have any questions about the spelling or about the address, I will be posting uh, the handle on our social media with when this podcast airs, so you'll be able to find it there. We are probably going to be doing a Q&A at the end of the podcast, just to add a little bit more flavor and dimension to our content. Yes. And, uh, of course, uh, I am always happy to create uh, more fo focused cycles. So next seasons one to four can really go into depth. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, 
I love to do research. I want to do research for the informational uh, power and activation of all of us. Um, we can. I can also do some crazy research. I know there's a there was a comment about like esoterica and and magic and occult stuff and. I think our conspiracy theories and realities episode will be on the way in oh, some yes. soon place. Because I know we can get into all sorts of wild, wonderful, wacky, and controversial things, which I am not afraid I mentioned to, from. to someone that we might be doing a conspiracy episode, and they were like, oh, the James Char, or not James Charles, the Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star palette. And I'm like, the what? I don't even know what that is. I only know that that's a couple, and one of them is is some kind of makeup professional with a lot they, of. They they released they released a palette called the Conspiracy Palette. It's an eyeshadow palette. Everyone's got an eyeshadow palette out right now. Great. Maybe I in season two we'll release an eyeshadow and well pigmented. Well pigmented. Well, like I said, I'm looking forward to the conspiracy mm-hmm. theories and realities episode. Oh, I'm really looking forward to I am to that not one. afraid of controversy. Because what is controversy but shaking down the uh, shaking down the truth of how accurate our it's information Scorpius, is by yeah. which we run our daily lives and from which our perspective of reality comes. So I'm excited about that. But thank you, everyone, for listening. We look forward to um, many more wonderful podcasts with you, our devoted listeners. And thanks, Sam. We're we're back in business after two ships passing in the night, flaking, having having technical snafus yes. and meltdowns. We're back. So so sorry that we didn't catch you last week. But maybe this week we'll have something. Uh, for you guys to enjoy a little bonus wink wink, bonus. wink. A little totally bonus. cool a little bonus so yeah look out for that all right well thanks sam and thank you all my uh way of uh getting connected with you is through various social media such as instagram at handsome jeremy 777 the twitter is uh, Orphic, O-R-P-H-I-C, Apollo 777. Sam, what are yours? I am Nuke Moth, N-U-K-E-M-O-T-H, at Instagram. I am Ramshine.com, if you're looking for some sexy leather gear for your uh, sexy leather gear needs. And... That's about it. You can find me on X2, but you'll have to look really hard. Okay. Well, Sam, why don't we uh, sign off before I do that, all right? Okay. Okay, bye, everyone. We'll see you soon. We'll hear from you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, Sam. 